Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, welcome everybody. Welcome our guests and welcome our partners. It's great to be with you to worship uh, with you today, especially after I've been away for a couple weeks. And uh, today we're going to begin a new series and we're calling this series Together. And I want you to notice uh, how we've spelled the word to in Together because that's going to be important for you to understand. But uh, I want to begin to move our head and move our heart over into the space of talking about relationships and talking about family. And so I wanted to change some things up a little bit. And so I thought it would be a good idea, creative idea, to film the first message in this series actually from my home. In fact, I'm actually filming it from my garage because uh, this is the space that I like to go. And this is the space Beth likes me to go when we've been together too much. And uh, I don't know, guys, what you call it, but this is my man cave. This is my haunt. This is my space. Beth refers to it sometimes as my timeout, uh, townhouse, whatever. But um, I thought it would be a good idea idea to begin our conversation really here. And, um, you know, this is a unique time. This is a hard time, actually. Uh, A lot of us are trying to figure a lot of things out uh, all at once. When I think about this relationally, I know that a lot of us are struggling because we are uh, not able to get together in the ways that we normally get together. And then I think, too, um, a lot of us are struggling because we are together in ways we're not usually together. Uh, I was thinking about this, you know... um, Many of y'all know that uh, I have spent most of my adult life in a sorority. Now, I was born into a fraternity, but I've spent most of my adult life in a fraternity. In fact, there was a time we even had a cat in our family. The cat was female. She's now with Jesus, praise God. But anyhow, uh, prior to that, when we would get together, I remember thinking early on, I'm going to have to adapt and I'm going to have to learn some things if I'm going to be connected to the sorority that God uh, has given me. And uh, in fact, I was thinking about this the other other day when we used to go away uh, on vacation as a family. Uh, my my girls like to window shop. I suspect that some of you like to window shop, and I, I don't really care uh, to do that. They when when I shop, it's more like hunt and gather. You know, like I like to go and pillage a store, get what I want, pay for it, and get out. The girls like to linger. And I don't really like to linger a lot. but And I thought, you know, early on, I thought, I'm going to have to learn how to adapt and learn how to do this if I'm going to be connected to the family that God has given me. And uh, we would, we would, you know, be on vacation. We'd pull over in a little town, and, and the girls wanted to window shop, you know. And we have a little saying in our family, we would all get out and kind of be clumped together walking down the road until one of us with greater self-awareness would say, all right, spread out, locks. We're together. Uh, too close. And we we would spread out. And then the girls would go into shops and, and I would grab a book. I would take books with me and I would sit, you know, uh, on, on a bench somewhere near a store. But it was a way for me to connect and sort of still be together. And then uh, eventually the girls got married, praise God, and they moved out. And then 
Then it was just Beth and I again, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to learn how to adapt, and I'm going to have to learn how to adjust again. And so I thought, maybe I need to think again about what it's like to you know, learn how to linger in a store. And uh, so I thought, I'm going to step into this, and Beth and I went away, and, and I stepped into this idea, and, and it worked until about the end of the first time we ever tried it, and my wife looked over at me in a store, and, and she said, in essence, this, she said, you know, can we not do it quite this way? She said, you're hovering over me like a secret service you know, agent, and she said, I, I, this is not working for me, and can I just give you the freedom that we're not together all the time. And I have to tell you, it was it was like I wanted to give my life to Christ all over again for the very first time. I mean, it was such a gift that she gave to me. And uh, and so we have learned how to adapt and learn how to do that. And and I think many of us right now in our families uh, and in our in our circles are learning how to do this. This is a unique and weird time. And and we're doing this, I think, and I believe, in a culture that you'd probably agree with me is the most, uh, right now our culture is the most has the most divergent opinions about every single topic known to the human race. I mean, you think about it right now, everybody has an opinion about every single thing. I mean, I know as a pastor that my work, the work that I'm involved in, the work that Pastor Trevor's involved in, there's a lot of opinions about that, but I've never lived in a season really then everybody has an opinion and a sharp opinion, a strong opinion about everything. I think even think about the COVID. I mean, everybody has a, an opinion about the pandemic. You know, is it, uh, is it a political conspiracy? Is it really nothing to be worried about? Should we all be terrified? This kind of stuff. In fact, just the other day, I saw a video that I really connected with that kind of communicates the idea that I'm talking about right now. Take a look. Yeah, I really don't understand why everybody is following the same rules right now. They're very clear. So let's take a minute and let's go over them again. First, you must not leave the house for any reason, unless of course you have a reason and then you may leave the house. All stores are closed except those that are open and all stores must close unless of course they need to stay open. This virus is deadly but don't be afraid of it. It can only kill people who are vulnerable and also those who are not vulnerable. We should stay locked down until the virus stops infecting people. And it will only stop infecting people if enough of us get infected that we build immunity. So it is very important that we get infected and also do not get infected. You should not go to the doctor's office or the hospital unless you have to go there. Unless of course you are too sick to go there. This virus has no effect on children except for those children in which it affects. The virus remains active on different surfaces for two hours or four hours or six hours but in most cases it's days and not hours and it needs a damp environment or a cold environment that is warm and dry in the air unless the air is plastic i mean right i mean like welcome to our world right well here's what i want to do in this series and uh, certainly in this moment i want to slow the rpm down in fact let's all take a breath right now Let's slow the RPM down and let's focus on the subject of relationships. Let's focus on the subject of family and let's not do it from a place of uncertainty. Let's begin from a place of certainty. And for me, as you would imagine, I find a lot of certainty and take a lot of comfort, find a lot of refuge uh, in Holy Scripture. And in Holy Scripture, uh, there is an opportunity for us to turn all the other voices down 
and to listen to the one voice, the voice of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that can help us grasp some deeper understandings about how our life works, how our world works, and how we can use this as a time really to grow and strengthen our relationships and not have them erode or have them recede. You know, for me, I've developed over years, really decades, uh, an opportunity and a way to read the scriptures in which I engage in the scriptures in a way that I don't just read them, but I allow them to read me, to judge my thoughts and the intentions of my heart. And this is what I would commend to us in this season. And this is what we're going to practice in some ways through this series. And, and I want to just take a moment here. I don't want to miss my opportunity. If you're not regularly reading God's word and engaging with it, I want to encourage you to do that. Even if it's for five minutes at, at the beginning of the day or five minutes at the end of the day, to take a moment to let God's voice be the strongest voice speaking in to the circumstances and the situations of your life. That's what we're going to do uh, in this series. I was thinking about a verse of scripture that I would use as uh, maybe uh, an anchoring place uh, that we would build out from in this series. And I thought of the words that scholars suggest to us that King Solomon wrote, just an observation that he discovered or happened onto in Psalm 127, verse 1. And even the first part of it where he says this, he says, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is useless. Now, all of us live in some type of dwelling. It might be a one-room apartment. It might be a single home. It might be a small little place. It might be palatial. That doesn't really matter. But Solomon is inviting us to establish within that home, within that place, a foundation of certainty and to build some principles around the relationships within that circle uh, that are founded upon God's word to build from a place of certainty. You know, it's interesting what Solomon is really suggesting to us is if we don't do that, there's going to come a moment in our lives when we're going to realize that all we've invested in, all we've established is in vain and insignificant and futile. And I need you to know, I've sat at tables where people have happened upon those realizations and I hate those meetings. And that's what I want to help us avoid as we talk about it. And here's the thing. This is such a unique season. This is a great opportunity for us to lean in together and to do some greater learning. And, and I thought this is a way to begin the series. I first want to define even the word family, and I want to move it out from what we might normally think just a bit. Obviously, when Solomon writes these words, he's talking about the families that we're born into and this is often where we learn and often where it starts. And so I think there's a word of challenge for us, whether you identify as the leader in that family or not. You could, you could be a child and be just a part of the family. And I think there's a word for us and what we're going to learn. But I want to say even beyond this, I think from a broader sense, I think the term family can be used in, in many different ways here. One of my favorite passages of Scripture around this idea comes from Psalm 68, verse 6a, where we learn this wonderful promise that says that God will set the lonely in families. And I've talked to a lot of people in our church who've said, you know, really, Pastor Dale? 
My family is our church. My family is my small group. Some of you have friends that you connect with, and I've heard some of you say before, you know, that's really become like a surrogate family for me. And when I think about this idea and establishing a place of beginning, you know, I remember years ago that as my family came online and began to grow, I I began to think about what am I going to aim my family toward in a way that uh, later on, or even after my family has grown and moved on, or Beth and I get into the into the you know September seasons of our lives, we're able to look back on our family and say, you know, we have we have held true to a partnership, to a commitment together. We have moved together in the same way. And and I began to do some work on this really as a young man, newly married. But the concepts that I want to share with you this weekend go beyond just the typical husband and wife. And I think that these are concepts that we can all move on and do some work on. And I thought about this really in four ways. And I want to lay, and this is why I entitled our message this morning simply four, because there are four images I want to paint for you and then ask you to think about this weekend in terms of what a family actually is for. Here's the first one. I have learned in my own life that a family, honestly, is the place where my credibility is established. One of uh, the verses that I think is really compelling to me along these lines is a verse uh, that Luke records in giving us some idea of the family system that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ grew up into. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, uh, Luke writes this. He says, this observation about Jesus, Jesus, he says, simply grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. And when I read that passage of Scripture, I'm challenged to think what Luke is meaning when he wrote that. What did he observe? What did he see? What was he pointing to? And that Jesus grew up in a family system in a way that just helped him grow in wisdom, helped him grow in stature, helped him grow in favor with God and man. It just reminds me in this space that family is often the place where our credibility is established. It's often as a family and the families uh, that we choose to identify with where our credibility really is earned, where our credibility is established. We have a a new family uh, that's moved in nearby to us that we're we're connecting with and we're getting to know. And I was talking to the the dad in the family the other night, and he and he made an observation to me about his son. And he said, "You know what?" He told me. He said, "Dale, I told my son." He said, "You know what? You're 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 going off to college now. You're an adult." And he said, "You don't really need to tell me any longer." He said, "What it is that you're." aiming toward what you're building your life on, any of that. He said, you just bring friends over to my house, our house. You don't need to say anything. I'm going to know by the friends you bring over the direction of your life and where you're headed. And I thought to myself, you know, that's really a great, a great observation. Our homes are the places where our credibility is established. Over 32 years ago, I can't even believe I'm saying this, I was ordained as a pastor. And and in our tradition, when you are ordained, it's kind of this wonderful moment where uh, you know a spiritual leader 
a pastor or a bishop even, will lay their hands on you. And they say a phrase in our own tradition that says this, take the authority upon you to preach the word. Take the authority on you to administer the sacraments. Take the authority on you to order the life and the ministry of the church. And I could just remember that as a powerful moment. And, and in ways, when I think about that, that's a place certainly where my credibility is established. But I, I want to tell you where my credibility is established as well. It's in those moments when my, my wife tells me to take out the trash and to pick up my socks. Our home is the place where our credibility uh, is established. Here's another one. I think our home and our family is a place where our faith is actually formed. And when I think about this, I, I, I think that life is too short to have large gaps in my relational world disconnected to my own faith development. I think one of the great sins, if I were to be honest and push for a moment, one of the great sins and one of the great lies of the Christian church over time is that you and I can manage sort of a a faith development that's going to really hold us against all the storms that happen in life based upon, you know, 50 minutes or 60 minutes with a group of people in worship over a week, and that that's enough. It's not enough. And I think really in this season, some of us are learning that it's not enough, and certainly we we miss gathering in corporate worship. I mean, I, I have a sense of grief about it. I run into people into the, in the community when I'm out getting groceries or whatever. You're grieving about it too. That's not really what I'm pointing to, but what I am pointing to is this. It's got to be more than that. Every now and again, um, what, what shows up on my calendar are appointments with people in our church or in our community who feel as though they're losing their faith. This is how... Uh, uh, Sharon, my assistant, will put that on my counter. I want you to meet with somebody and they're struggling with faith issues. And, and I want to tell you, nine out of 10 times, it's not really the faith issues that they're struggling with. Nine out of 10 times, actually, what is going on is that their circumstances have outpaced their spiritual disciplines and it represents that it's time to grow. There's a passage of scripture for me in the Old Testament, I think, that really speaks to that. And the passage of scripture, I'm going to put it on the screen here. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. And here's how Moses writes it. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. You're to impress them on your children. You're to talk about them when you sit down in your home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. He goes on and he says this, tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Here's, here's really what, what Moses is trying to communicate. Immerse yourself. Roll all in these promises and get them all over you. It'll be good for you. Don't let your circumstances outpace the development of your faith. And this is, this is so important and, and so essential. And if we're really to understand what family's about, if we're to understand what some of these important circles in our lives are about, it, it's not only a place where our credibility is established, it ought to be viewed as a place also where our faith literally is formed. 
Think with me about that. I mean, when was, when was the last time you viewed our current circumstances as a way to allow God to kind of poke on and pressure test some of the things that you're using to build as a foundation for your life or build as a foundation for your family or build as a foundation for your friends. This is a moment, quite honestly, when those infections that we can catch sometimes in our culture are going to be present. And we have a wonderful privilege, we have a wonderful God-given opportunity to use this as a space to develop our faith. So that's two. Let me, let me give you two more because I've titled the sermon Thor. The third thing I really think is this. I think a family is a space where it should be a refuge from life's storms. And when I think about this, um, I, I'm reminded when we used to begin our ministry many years ago and we lived in Stewart and I would take Beth out to the beach, we would drive past this beautiful place in Stewart up in Martin County. Some of you have heard of this or have read about this. And there's a place up there, first of all, called Gilbert's Bar. And it's one of the most prominent geological formations along the eastern seaboard. And years ago, a house was built there that is came to be known as the House of Refuge. I want to show you a picture of it. It's a beautiful picture. And uh, it was commissioned by the U.S. Treasury as a safe haven for shipwrecked sailors and travelers along the eastern coast of Florida. And for me, it became a picture as a young man when I was establishing what my family would aim for in the trajectory of the development of our family system. I always wanted my home to be a place of refuge from life storms. It's interesting that recently uh, I was reading uh, in some recovery work, and we do a lot of recovery work in our church, and I was reading recently that a sociologist suggested that there's a lot of struggle right now going on in our society with, of course, addictive behavior, and that within this uh, struggle with addictive behavior, a lot of it is finding its beginning place, listen to me now, in homes that are not a refuge. Interestingly. In other words, our homes are places of chaos and places of conflict. And, and, and the sociologist was writing and saying, this is ideally the seedbed, honestly, literally a place of beginning. Not in every place, but in many places. It's the place of beginning of addictive behavior. Every single time as your pastor, when I do a wedding, I pray over the couple in the ceremony that their home might be a haven of blessing and a place of peace. Because all of us need a haven of blessing and all of us need a place of peace. I just want to ask the question, is your home like that? Is your circle like that? It, do you have a group around you that you retreat to that becomes a refuge, not a place of chaos and conflict, but a place really where you can take a breath, where you can retreat from all the circumstances and the surroundings of our world, and you can take a breath, and you can feel God's whisper of peace and grace on your life. I can tell you a lot of times when I pray for a church, 
I'm praying that all of our homes might be like that. It's interesting to me, in Psalm 127, verse 1, the second part of the verse that Solomon writes, notice what he says here. He says, unless the Lord watches over the city, unless the guard stands watch, uh, the guards will stand watch in vain. And really what he's saying and suggesting is this, unless there are principles, unless there are ideas, unless there are boundaries in place to preserve the peace, it's the chaos that will kill us. There's a lot of chaos right now in our world. And and one of the real privileges of being a follower of Jesus is that we can develop the kind of ability really under, under God's design to be able to be people who speak peace to chaos and build homes and circles around us where peace reigns instead of chaos. That's a picture for me of what our a family should be. It should, it, should be a, it should be a place where our credibility finds its deepest meaning. It's a place where our faith is formed. It's a refuge from life's storms. And, and, and this one might, might even be my favorite. I've had to call on it several times. A family should be a place, I think, where, where life gets to start over. And there is a flavor, there is an atmospheric quality in our homes of forgiveness and humility and gentleness. One of my favorite mentors in ministry, certainly long distance, I attended a, a, uh, an event years ago where I got to hear him preach, but I had never met him in person, and that's Billy Graham. And I've read a lot about his life, and I read about a lot about the life of his wife, Ruth Bell Graham, and uh, Billy Graham and his ministry speaking to millions of people all over the world was gone a lot when the kids were growing up in their home. And one time, Ruth Bell Graham was being interviewed about it, and, and, the, and the reporter just sort of off the cuff asked her, she said, he said, you know, your, your husband, Dr. Graham, has gone a long time. Has that been a struggle? And she admitted it's been a struggle. And he said, he just shot back to her and he said, have you ever thought about divorce? And her answer was as quick as his question. And she said, divorce, no. Murder, yes. And just sort of as a tongue-in-cheek. And then she went on to describe that they have learned the ability over the years to find places of honest conversation and to start over. And I don't know. I find something beautiful in that. I know a lot of times for me as a husband and for me as a father, I've not done everything right. And we have built into the fabric of our family system the ability, whether we were talking to our kids or the ability when we were talking as husbands and wives, and we've tried to replicate this over to our friendships and our closest circles, the ability to just ask for forgiveness and to receive it. One of the things that deeply troubles me right now in our culture is that we have lost our ability to have conversations with people with whom we strongly disagree. Uh, We are uh, creating in our culture right now what is oftentimes referred to as a cancel culture, the cancel out culture. If we disagree with someone, here's what we do. We muffle their voice and we cancel them out. 
And what I'm learning as I do some learning and some reading about that is this is what it creates. It creates resentment because we are wired actually not to be not heard, but to be heard, to be listened to, to be validated, to experience within our relationships a kind of empathy that when it's required shows up in the opportunity to ask forgiveness and to receive it. And there's something really sick in our culture right now where that's that's not the name of the game today. And, and my concern as a pastor is that that's bleeding out from the streets and it's coming in our front doors and that infection is living in our homes. And I just wonder right now how many of you are listening to me and really what you need to do is you need to learn how to stop, to listen, and where we need to ask forgiveness and where we need to offer forgiveness and start over. You know, there's a wonderful passage of Scripture. I think one of the, one of the most beautiful examples of this happens in Luke chapter 15 in the story of the prodigal son. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 21, and the story is written and Jesus tells the story to to help us understand that this is God the Father's disposition to all his wayward children, like at times me and you. And in the most powerful, I think, part of the story, Jesus tells in verse 21 When the son finally comes home from wayward living, the son says to the father, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, (laughs) quick, bring the best robe, put it on, bring a ring, uh, put a ring on his finger and sandals on my son's feet. Bring the fattened calf and let's kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to celebrate. There is something incredibly powerful about the fabric of forgiveness and the fabric and the ability to start over. In fact, if I were to move this space outside of our families and move it for just a quick moment into our relationship with our Heavenly Father, how many of us would love the opportunity to start over again with God and to say in quite quiet honesty, Lord Jesus, I have in this season and in this time, maybe in my family, maybe in my circle, maybe with my friends, I've lost sight of you. And God, when I stop and worship you, the scripture says, you will find me. And so God, I pray right now for all of my friends listening that Lord, if We are in a disposition right now where any of this really shows up in strong ways. Would you give us the courage to have conversations about this, that our our homes, that our families, that our friends, that our circles might be better places where our credibility is established, where where our faith is formed, where where we might experience a refuge from life's storms. And and really, maybe even most importantly, may these circles be places where we can start over 
And God, I pray for anyone listening today who wants to start over over with you. And just by a simple prayer of saying, Lord Jesus, would would you come into my heart? Would you reestablish your place as Lord and leader and forgiver and friend in my life? And God, would you help me to create a lifestyle that where my discipline and my commitment to you is never outpaced by my circumstances and my surroundings. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to, pr- I want to say to you before we close, um, if you are reconnecting with God, I want to encourage you to text next to the number we're going to put on the screen. We'd love to know about any fresh commitment you're making with Jesus Christ. In fact, what we'd like to do, even in this unique time, is partner with you in a way that you can grow in your relationship with the living God. And I want to personally invite you to tune back in with us next week. And when you come next week, we're going to take the next step in this series. And we're going to do some learning about our relationships and about our families. I believe God is going to use this time in a powerful way, not only in our lives, but in the lives of our circles. So I hope you'll come back. God bless you. We'll see you again soon.